Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we have an awesome show planned. Uh, our first guest is Dr. Tom DePauli. He is the author of Jason and the Corporate Argonauts, The Quest for the Golden Fleece of Transformation. Greetings and welcome to Voice of Olympus, Dr. DePauli. Uh, greetings and uh, thank you for the welcome. I'm uh, happy to be here tonight. Thank you. I'm happy that you're here as well. I thought I was the only one uh, spending my time recruiting people for Argonaut voyages, so I was overjoyed to come across your book on Amazon. <laughs> yes, uh, actually, uh, you know, I, I I had an idea uh, to write a a business fable book, and what better story than Jason and the Argonauts to help people in the business world when they were faced with a major transformation in their company or major change. So uh, modeled the book after the journey and tried to find some lessons that people can use when they're doing some major change or transformation to their organization. And quite frankly, I found a lot of them in, in the quest. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very good book. It's a short book, um, uh, very concise, but uh, very um, pointed in uh, uh, what uh, it uh, introduces. And uh, uh, you summarize it all quite well uh, when uh, the tale is done. So uh, everything you need to remember uh, is there uh, in the last couple of pages. Yes, it is. I, I, I had to put that in. I just wanted to... Uh, remind people of the main points of the book and um, make sure uh, I reinforce the points of the book at the end, and I think it's very helpful that way. And uh, you were very effective in translating uh, the mythic symbolism into corporate symbolism. 
uh, where instead of Chiron the centaur, uh, you had uh, a business mentor who worked within the organization, um, and Mr. Sage. And uh, you spell Jason differently to differentiate between the ancient mythic Jason and the um, young corporate executive Jason. Yes, uh, I, that, was, that was hard to keep track of as I wrote the book, quite <laughs> frankly. But I wanted, wanted to make sure the reader could differentiate uh, which Jason I was talking about. So, now, uh, you have had a, a very long and heroic uh, journey uh, yourself. Um, I was reading uh, the information that you have on the back of the book and on uh, um, Amazon. So uh, would you mind sharing your journey uh, with us? Because uh, uh, it's had uh, several different uh, turns in the river until you got to writing this book and, and doing what you're currently uh, doing. You were in the Navy for 30 years as well. Uh, serving yes, as an officer I had, yes, I had um, a multifaceted career. I, I guess you could say, both in the business world and in the Navy, in the Navy Reserve and active duty. Uh, so I've experienced a lot of different organizations, a lot of different people and their beliefs, traveled to, I think, over 60 countries, and wow. uh, served as a consultant for quite a while where you go into an organization and try to help them get better and you see a mm-hmm. lot of different a lot of different techniques that people try to use to uh, make their organizations better and uh, learn something very uh, in my career that um that I try to adhere by is and the book does mention it is uh, if you don't have compassion and integrity People aren't going to follow you. Right. That's it. <laughs> That's it. And uh, it's it's very important to keep that in mind uh, as you do that. Uh, I think you noticed I do have like I, I believe nine books on Amazon, all different yeah. genres. And I just decided to do this one because I thought there were some really good lessons to learn. And I've I saw organizations trying to transform and get better. I mean, mega change. I don't know what you want to call it. And they basically had no road. There's no roadmap how to do it. Okay. No. It's quite a struggle. Uh, and I wrote the book to try to help them get through the quest and the journey and uh, have received very good feedback on it and have used the, have used the book in my uh, university classes too. Uh, mm-hmm done that so enjoyed my career and also as a captain in the navy uh it's it's a very different world than the civilian world and when you're the captain of a ship or a captain you're responsible for everything whether you like it or not (laughs) okay (laughs) so it you know it it it's something that uh it's just been a tradition of the navy and if something goes wrong it's your fault, and you can't duck the responsibility. Okay, so you have to make sure you take care of your people. All right. That that is a good point, and uh, um, we live in a culture where uh, people, even in uh, very visible and very high positions of power, seem uh, very willing to abdicate responsibility. 
So uh, assuming full responsibility, uh, that's something I always applaud uh, when our guests uh, bring that up, because uh, ultimately and eventually we are all responsible for our world. Yes, we are. And uh, you need to accept it and try to make a world a better place. You can, uh, you, you, you know, you can be a hero on a personal basis. Uh, I found that in my leadership and what I've learned in, in life and doing things is if you help a person when they're in trouble, personally or whatever, they never forget that. Right. And they will trust you forever. Seriously. And uh, it's important to do that. And, and, you know, your followers, uh, the people that work for you, uh, you need to make sure you take care of them and build up their trust, which is a lot of uh, what Jason did, isn't it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I guess we can go through and talk about the book, maybe perhaps chapter by chapter. If you'd like to do if that, if you'd like, yes. Uh, you are, you are you wrote the book, and uh, uh, you have all this uh, experience and wisdom uh, uh, behind your writing. So yes, uh, I'd be honored if you took us on a guided tour of uh, the book. I have it right before me. Yeah, I, um, I, I when I, I wrote this book, I said, boy, this this is going to be different. Um, I think you realize, Hercules, that uh, they don't they don't teach Greek mythology anymore in schools very much, do they? Not as often as they should, no. Uh, I agree. And uh, I said, well, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but uh, I thought this would be a lesson especially for organizations that want to change. And what lessons can we glean from Jason's quest and uh, the trials and tribulations that Jason had and how can we apply them to a a company? And um, we – you know, I think a lot of times in, our, in, in, in organizations, we put too much faith in technology and gadgets. And one of the you things that, that I talk clear, about. Yes. Huh? You made that very clear, that face-to-face interaction yes. uh, should surpass uh, our uh, love of uh, communicating electronically and anonymously. Yes, and I actually urge people to do that, and you can learn a lot about a person uh, by using face-to-face communication. Um, Jason, Jason did have a mission, and I tried to get his mission statement, is that you know he wanted to uh, capture and return to Golden Fleece. Right. All right. And he had to overcome uh, a lot of pearls that were talked about, and some of the lessons I said you should learn from here and as you do it. Uh, I think I talked about uh, also is that, you know, public communication, when you talk to people in a way, you should sort of model it like you're talking to them face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Right? And try to personalize it with them. I found that uh, many people just can't do that. I talked about meetings and how many managers are very disorganized in meetings and they don't have discipline and structure in their meetings. And, you know, the basics of managing the meeting are very important uh, when you do that. And uh, that's one of the things I mentioned. Uh, And the other thing, and we'll get to it later, is that, you know, 
the Argonauts were the best of the best. Yes, they were. They the were. Heroes of I mean, they were the, the best. I mean, and many times when I've tried to get people to cooperate with change or whatever it is, uh, process improvement, they don't want to give me their best employees. Uh, they, you know, they want their best employees. They want to keep them so they can keep running the department or mm-hmm. make their lives easier. But it was clear that Jason had the best of the best, the Argonauts, and uh, he needed it for the journey. Okay. Uh, one other thing, yes, he were. did have a mentor, like you said, and uh, as I go through the book, and, you know, people who aren't familiar with the book, but, I, you know, one of the things that in, in Chapter 2 is Jason was tested, wasn't he, by uh, helping, helping the goddess Hera. Right, and he, he helped her cross the river. Yes, he was tested for his compassion, and he passed the test. Okay, which mm-hmm. when you when you have a leader or want to be a leader, and you and your followers know that you know you put their interest above your own personal interest, your selfless. They will follow you and trust you. And the crew of the the Argo definitely trusted Jason. And acts of charity and helping people, once again, people don't forget that. They remember that, and they will become very loyal to you. Um, I found that as I've worked with companies, and I think I've repeated this a couple times, uh, if your company doesn't have compassion and integrity your people aren't going to believe in your company no they're not okay so again building that culture of trust and compassion in an organization is key and you know what that doesn't happen overnight if you have treated your employees pretty bad does it no it does not so Going through the chapters individually, um, you know, can we train everyone to be a leader? Okay. That sounds impossible, but um, it's something you should at least strive for. Give them the tools to be a leader. Okay. Right. Uh, the military tries to do that. Uh, they train, a lot of times they train everyone to be a general, but one of the reasons they do that, and, you know, it's also unfortunate, but if one leader gets killed, they expect someone else to step up and lead, don't they? Yes, they do. And they, and they better have the skills to do it. Uh, so that's one of the things I talked about in the book. Um, and the best of the best is important. Cross-functional teams, I think that's that's a buzzword now, too. But every one of the uh, Argonauts had different skills. Yes, they did. And use these skills. Don't let your ego get in the way. Uh, make sure you use the skills uh, of your people. And you know, that that is one of the lessons I learned, too, is that uh, make sure you maximize the skills of of your people and let them go and complete their task. 
Another one of the chapters which is interesting, I talked about uh, Argonauts distracted by the uh, women of Lemos. We have a lot of distractions, I, don't we, <laughs> in life? Yes, we do. And uh, just for the record, I am a Lemnian Greek. That was the island where the Argonauts uh, landed. Um, oh, of, the okay. of the Amazon, so that's my heritage. <laughs> oh, so uh, the, uh, uh, they obviously partied uh, pretty hardy there, didn't they? <laughs> yes, for a couple of years. Yeah, they they kind of forgot about their mission, and uh, right. uh, Hercules uh, um, had to roust them and uh, get them focused again. Yes, and I think the lesson here is often when we're trying to achieve a project or a goal, we get distracted. Uh, yes, we do. And, and one of the things I said for anything like this, uh, you have to sell your quest. You have to have a marketing plan. You have to make your metrics and goals visible and uh, empower your team to try to keep everything on track. And, uh, again, we're easily – distracted nowadays, aren't we, with a lot of things in life that keep us away from reaching our goal. Uh, so that's one of the things. Losing focus, narcissism, they definitely take away from uh, achieving your goals or tasks. Uh, so uh, I talked a little bit in Chapter four, uh, 5 about Murphy's Law and making mistakes and, uh, you know, Inevitable. Fogs. Yeah. Hercules turned around and mistakes and Murphy strikes. And you're going to have a lot of people when you're on a quest or a journey um, discouraging you, mocking you, whatever. And my advice is always respond to chaos with data and facts and remain mm -hmm. a beacon of calmness and conviction. Okay. Eventually, those people will be convinced, and you need to continue your journey. That's one of the things that I talked about. And like I said, a lot of these things in the book uh, seem quite simplistic, but I think they're very true, especially to a person who has a project or a quest or a transformation to do. Uh, one of the things I talk about in uh, in the book, and uh, unfortunately, it's it's is Never, never neglect morale of your crew. Okay. Very true. In, and, in the actual myths, uh, Jason learned that the hard way. Uh, he neglected their morale on several occasions and uh, had to deal with uh, um, mutinous uh, crews and uh, you know people uh, coming up with their own uh, missions rather than the mission they started with. So yeah. that was a lesson that was hard won. Uh, but once he got it, he stayed with it. He stayed with it, and um, unfortunately, many companies um, neglect morale of people who work for them, and uh, they pay a price for it. Uh, you know, some of some of the Argo crew departed, that sort of thing. But uh, it is something you just can't uh, neglect, and. You've got to keep it up in any way possible. One of the things I think he did was have competition and contest okay, mm -hmm. amongst the crew. But it's just something that a leader should never neglect, uh, morale and teamwork of the crew. I, it's, it's amazing to me that you know, when I reviewed this, uh, some of the lessons were pretty obvious. Uh, the boxing match was interesting, wasn't it? King Amicus, uh, yes. Yes, and 
in a some of the times, and the lesson here is a lot of the times your opponents or naysayers will wear themselves out. It's sort right. of like let them punch themselves out uh, and avoid them, and they'll do it all the time. And uh, the tactics were pretty interesting uh, in the boxing match. And, again, I say remain calm and use data and logic and take the high ground and whenever possible, most of the time, the opponents will just punch themselves tired or wear themselves out. But it takes a lot of discipline uh, to adhere to that, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And uh, going through the other thing, uh, uh, we talked about, uh, in Chapter 8, we talked about Jason defeating the Harpies. Mm-hmm. And in Gratitude... I talked about forecasting. Uh, he, he, With Insidious, he, yes. Yeah, he forecasts future events and really helped them out in gratitude. And, you know, again, though, the Argonauts worked as a team to banish the Harpies. And they got good intelligence about future events. And one of the things I, I say is assess your wrist, spend sufficient resources on forecasting the future. That's one, another one of the lessons. Again, all these are summarized at the end of the book. And, of course, you're very familiar with the Clashing Rocks, right? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, again, have a plan for the risk. And, you know, he released the White Dove and made it through the Clashing Rocks. And, you know, that, that forecast helped them. What I think happens is many people get so caught up in the confusion the razzle-dazzle and just, uh, you know, all the things they have to do that they don't plan or stick to a plan, okay? So one of the things I mentioned in this chapter is never underestimate the importance of planning. Take the time to have a plan, and if you have to change it, adjust it. But uh, it's one thing that many people um, neglect. They don't even plan for their day, do they? No. Okay. They do not. All right. Uh, then we got the impossible task there. Jason defeats the dragon. Uh, King Aedes. And uh, he was furious that they were victorious and planned to murder the crew the next day. Nice guy, right? <laughs> and, uh, uh, dedicated. Nothing is impossible when a person is dedicated to the task at hand and has the help of others. And that's the key point there. Uh, Jason had the uh, help of Medea, who was the daughter of uh, Aetes, yes. and uh, uh, she was able uh, to help him to uh, um, perform these impossible uh, tasks uh, through yep. techniques yep. that she knew by being a native of the land and uh, having to care for the dragon, having to uh, you know, basically be responsible for the well-being of her kingdom. Yes, and he did have her help, and uh, he made it through the impossible task, didn't he? Yes, and he moved did. on the quest. You know, eventually he did. Eventually, you know, he captured the Golden Fleece, right? Eventually yes. he did. Uh, Medea helped him there, too. Okay? Yes, he did. And again, though, once you have the fleece, and again, it's supposed to have mythical powers, uh, transformation is an ongoing process. 
you know, an organization must continue to change and evolve. Uh, the real danger is losing momentum in transformation. Transformation never ends. And that's what people have to remember as they go through life and go through an organization. Because we're in an age, Hercules, there's um, a lot of what I call disruptive technology, okay, that can mm-hmm. make your business obsolete overnight, right? make what you're doing obsolete overnight. And again, not only do you have to transform, but you probably have to, uh, what I call, cope with the disruptive technology, right? Uh, uh, one that's coming up and a little bit off uh, topic here is artificial intelligence. Yes, yes. It's going to transform everything. What worries me is what type of conscience are we going to put in artificial intelligence? Bill Waitman, who's one of uh, my Argonauts, uh, he's a legend in uh, Department of Labor type of stuff. Right now he writes Mm -hmm. for the Harvard Review, uh, and uh, he's one of uh, uh, my Argonaut crew. And one of the things we're doing is we're um, creating a career center uh, with a local library to try to deal with this uh, changing economy because the rules are changing so quickly that uh, it's always a challenge to figure out uh, what to do. So we're looking at the gig economy and also the problems that the gig economy is uh, is coming up with. And he is very concerned about artificial intelligence. So uh, that's going to be the basis of our next uh, um, Argonaut adventure. You know, what do we do about this artificial intelligence? That's a very valid concern and, uh, you know, we, we need to address it. So, uh, no time like the present to go out there and try to do something about it. It's 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 definitely going to uh, be very different, very have tremendous impact on labor and what skills are necessary, uh, and and that sort of thing. I'm I'm one of my one of my things I've done research for is um, uh, driverless vehicles. Yes, and. Um, one of the things that's going to happen to people, uh, don't think will, but rather quickly, is uh, I used to turn robot semi-trailers or robot trucks, okay? Mm-hmm. And there's a tremendous amount of people who are employed as truck drivers, okay? Not only that, all the supporting industry, okay, truck stops and whatever, could go out of business overnight or gradually, so right. it's definitely a problem, and how do you cope with that? And what do you do with the people who lose their jobs, truck drivers? Okay, what do you do? Do you reskill them? Uh, that sort of thing. It's something that we're going to be facing as every new technology evolves and we go along. And, uh, you know, it's just part of re-educating ourselves and transforming ourselves and that sort of thing. But... I did have a lot of fun writing this book. Uh, because yeah, I and I found, had a lot of fun reading it. <laughs> well, I found that, you know, who would think that reading about Jason and the Argonauts, you could actually get some uh, help and good ideas on how to transform uh, an organization and that. And that's what it is. It's, it's you know, it's people who transform organizations. It's not the technology all the time or whatever. 
it's convincing them that your quest is valid and a, a lot of the adventures in the journey itself. Uh, years ago, you know, as a consultant, it, they always had different terms for it, re-engineering, uh, repositioning. Mm -hmm. uh, one, of the, one of the buzzwords now, too, is, uh, you know, uh, improving the process, Lean Six Sigma. They're all about doing things different and changing. And, uh, you know, I believe... I wrote the book to help people cope with change, not only change, but mega change and uh, transformation. And look, looking back at Jason and the Argonauts and what they did, I think there's some very valuable lessons that we can use. Um, so, and they were I'm heroes. And, and, and they were heroes. And, uh, you know, it just, it's something that, uh, you know, when I used it in my classrooms when I taught at university, uh, the students, first of all, they weren't aware of it very much. But as we went through the book and discussed it, they said, oh, yeah, you know, th this does make sense, what they did. And mm -hmm. you're right, it did make sense uh, for them. Um, so uh, we have a lot more challenges coming up in the future in our country and yes, in business do. and in organizations. And we need we need heroes. We need people who can cope with change and transformation. But again, I go back to got to be compassionate and got to have te integrity, or they're not going to follow you anywhere. <laughs> okay, it's not going to happen. That is very true. And as you pointed out uh, in the book and in uh, uh, what you're sharing here, you have to uh, work with people who are smarter or more resourceful or better able to do uh, things than you can. And Jason uh, did that in his uh, choice in Heroes. He had contests and only the best of the best um, you know, went on uh, the Argonaut expedition uh, because they knew that this voyage, the first of its kind, uh, would live on forever. So who wouldn't want to be yeah. part of that? You know, and uh, um, the challenges faced uh, would never would never faced before would be hard to surpass. So it is very important to put your ego out of the way and uh, yes, to and, and hire someone who's hire someone who's better than you or has a skill mm -hmm. that's better than you. Or else you'll get what they call the Russian doll effect. You know, every doll inside is smaller and smaller and smaller. Right. And, uh, so it is important to do that and. Uh, Get people who have skills and uh, don't be afraid to let them do their own thing, especially if they're better than you. Why not? Why not? That's exactly it. And uh, at the end of the uh, Argosy, there's, there, there are more lessons to learn even after the expedition. Uh, Jason kind of rested on his laurels. Yeah. And uh, let the Argo rot on the beach. And eventually it killed him. It, uh, the stern uh, fell on his head. Uh, while yep. he was sitting drunk and thinking of bygone uh, glories, you know, instead of going out there and making new glories and you know, continuing That's with correct. His, uh, and like I said, glory. the transformation journey and the uh, the quest should never earn, uh, uh, never, never stop. You know, you have to keep getting better, uh, getting more heroic. Uh, always, uh, always. There's always. There's never a last quest. You just got to keep questing. That's all I can say, and trying to be better. And uh, it's very interesting, uh, too, just as a sidebar, is that um, uh, 
It's important to have heroes in society. Yes, it is. It's very important to have heroes in society and role models that people can look up to. Uh, so, again, uh, I think the quest and the journey is important. And it's if you've ever been on one, it's a lot of fun, even with the danger. <laughs> okay, it is. So, uh, again, the lessons here, I think, uh, is is that uh, pick the best of the best. Make sure they have the skills you need and, you know, continue on your quest to achieve it. Don't give up. They certainly had a lot of grit, didn't they, the crew? Yes, they did. Uh, and it's an, an interesting uh, tale, and I wish we had more behavior like this today from people. <laughs> but people uh, have it in them, uh it's a it's a remarkable yeah. thing how people pull up, you know, uh, sometimes when there's uh, uh, extreme uh, events happening in the world and people come out, come out of no place. And mm-hmm. uh, I know it's brought things out of me. I never in my entire life uh, wanted to be a politician. Uh, but okay. now that's a path that I'm taking because uh, they make a lot of uh, the decisions. And I'm not happy with the decisions <laughs> that we made. So I, I could sit and bitch about it, but I, that's not me. So it's like, all right, I got to do something about this. So um, I was, people wrote me in for a, a small political position. I'm in the Democratic County Committee, uh, and now I'm running for a higher office. So, uh, you know, basically, again, this isn't about me and my ego. This is about I want to be in a place where I can be a, a, a different voice and, and perhaps uh, suggest uh, a different path than the one we seem to be uh, uh, taking, I'm very concerned by our scientists uh, telling us that we have a dozen years until we reach a point where we might not, not, where what we do might not be significant in terms of stemming the tide uh, to environmental disaster. So that's a little fire under my butt because okay. uh, a lot of other things become moot if uh, you know we're going to destroy our planet. So. Uh, that's what's been motivating me uh, lately, you know, to change how I do things and change what I do so that I can be in a position to actually make a difference. There are a lot of environmental challenges, uh, a tremendous amount. I'm, I'm uh, being in the Navy, I'm very familiar with the uh, North Pacific garbage patch, which yes. is. You know, God, the amount of plastic and uh, debris is is just unbelievable. And uh, the ocean is the source of all life. (laughs) Yes. And if we don't keep that clean or clean that up, we're in very big trouble. I don't know what else to say. And uh, it's... It's a it's a tremendous problem uh, that has to be addressed and solved as soon as possible. Uh, we don't want to, uh, you know, um, we don't want to uh, pollute the oceans anymore. And you know, I once had a biology uh, professor tell me uh, a bad year for plankton is a bad year for man. Right. Our oxygen and, comes uh, from there. And that's. You know, they're the lowest level of you know, the food chain, and if there's nothing at the lowest level, uh, the fish at the highest level, we're going to have a real tough time. 
Okay. Yeah. So uh, that, that's one of the things. I'm, I'm glad you're doing that and I'm glad you're concerned about that. And this book, um, again, when I when I went into this, um, I said, gee, how can I how can I sort of make sure that the lessons that Jason and his crew learned and experienced uh, can be used by an organization or business and did my best to do that and kept it simple, very short book. Uh, and, um, you know, it's it's just something that I, I thought uh, I could do. And it's a different way of approaching a business problem, for sure. I don't think there's too many other business books that uh, no. <laughs> uh, are based on a, a Greek tale. There may be a few, but I just decided to do this and enjoy doing it. A little bit difficult doing it, but uh, I think there's some very useful lessons for uh, organizations in this book. Well, I enjoyed uh, reading it, and uh, um, I would have learned uh, several important insights uh, by doing so, which I will apply uh, to my own uh, Argonite efforts, and I will highly recommend this book uh, to everyone because it's, it's an awesome little book. Good. Well, thank you. I'm glad you appreciate it. I mean, um, like again, you don't. It helps to be familiar with uh, Jason and the Argonauts, but it's not. It's not uh, totally necessary. Okay, because you know, I sort of tell the story a little bit there. And what's the other thing? I have to mention this too. Uh, when was the movie made, Jason and the Argonauts? That was made in the uh, 60s, I believe, uh, and there have been a, a series of them. Yeah, the the whole uh, sword and uh, sandal or peplum genre um, in yep. this country started in 1959 when the 1957 Hercules with Steve Reeves, uh, uh, yep. you know, uh, was uh, played here. And uh, Joseph Levine, who was a marketing genius, uh, made it mm-hmm. an international phenomenon. And then for about, uh, you know, throughout the 60s, uh, until it started phasing out, there were dozens of these films made, mostly in Italy. And we still get one every now and then, but not like uh, before. Uh, I've had the honor of talking. I I never talked to Steve Reeves, but uh, uh, George Helmer, uh, who is the head of Steve Reeves International, he's been on the show uh, uh, many times. Yeah, so uh, I I love those films. They, They inspire me. Uh, and I even work out to them when I lift weights. I have the move for you. I mean, uh, quite frankly, the special effects in those movies were pretty good for the time. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, again, uh, uh, pretty good movies. Uh, I think it's been a while since one has been made. I could be, I could be wrong. Uh, right. The, the Rock is Hercules was the last. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, significant that's, that's one. That was a few years ago already. Yeah. Otherwise, um, again, I, I I think the important thing about the book is is you know there's twenty twenty five lessons and summarized mm-hmm. in the rear that really helps in the rear of the book that helps people uh, reinforces the lessons that can be used. And you know what? Um, if if people can appreciate Greek mythology and read more about it. There's a lot more lessons out there. A lot more lessons. There, there certainly are. And One um, of the things that uh, I do is uh, uh, I work with uh, kids and I created a uh, 
interactive storytelling game. It's like a fantasy role-playing game, but much, much simpler. And uh, every year or two, we take an Argonaut voyage that, that'll last you know, a good long period of time. Uh, so okay. we've, uh, we've done the Argonaut voyage uh, uh, dozens of times over the years. And uh, I find the kids later on, I'll, I'll bump into them uh, a decade or so later, and they'll be married or they'll have girlfriends, they'll have kids. And they, when they start talking about uh, the Argonaut expedition that they took, uh, they, it's very real and very, it had a very powerful effect on them. And it's like they're yeah. reminiscing being on the Argo. So, uh, and they talk about the things that they realized, the things that they learned. Uh, so I know that it's a very powerful, transformative story. So th- that's why I salute you for uh, you know, bringing it to a wider uh, audience and especially in the uh, uh, business arena. And you know what? What you're doing is commendable because storytelling is is the very best way to learn and expire by far. And uh, sharing stories and what you're doing for those kids is commendable because storytelling is and stories is something that uh, really sticks with people and makes them learn yeah. by far. By far, there's nothing, there's nothing that that can beat it. Uh, you know, I'm sure we have technology uh, and other things, but storytelling and uh, is is by far the best way to teach people. Uh, just my opinion. Uh, my and, opinion too. It's a very powerful uh, tool, and it's very ancient, and uh, um, it it it. It's been around much longer than our technology, and our technology has embraced it and has brought these stories you know, into uh, uh, new mediums and uh, has spread them further around the world. Yes. And, again, I, I can't uh, – I even in my leadership role in classroom, uh, to teach a point or a principle or whatever, the most effective way is tell a story about it. And it helps mm-hmm. if it's an actual real life story, and that is much more effective. And usually, people don't forget stories, if you know what I mean. No. Uh, they remember them and remember them well. And uh, this story, Jason and the Argonauts, is one of the most heroic and dynamic stories ever written about. Okay. Do you do you plan uh, on visiting other myths uh, like uh, uh, the Odyssey or or Theseus? I, Minotaur? Uh, I I may, but right now I've been working uh, on on on. You know, I've got I, I've got nine books on Amazon and uh, toying with a couple other genres right now. Uh, books and uh, what what I can do with them. Uh, I. I, I I know that uh, storytelling is by far uh, something that attracts people to read a book if you have stories. And uh, it's very helpful in teaching lessons and uh, making sure that people understand what you're uh, talking about. And again, these are great myths, aren't they? Great oh, stories. they most certainly are. And I'm definitely going to invite you back, uh, what do you call it, to speak about uh, 
uh, a few things. Uh, one of the things I, I mentioned that I'm involved with is a career center at the, the library. Uh, so I'm going to invite okay. you to talk about uh, artificial intelligence and, um, you know, uh, some of your other books, what lessons uh, uh, people okay. might be able to from them. Um, but since we have about 10 minutes, why don't you give us a tour of your other books? Just, uh, you know, basically uh, tell us a little bit about that. them. Uh, you okay. know what? I certainly can do that. Uh, I've got um, a number of books that I, I wrote, again, different genres. Um, mm -hmm. And let me pull them up right here on Amazon. Uh, but one of the, two of my most recent books, uh, I, I, one of my passions too is preventing childhood bullying. Okay. Yes. And what I did uh, is wrote a book, um, a children's book, and it was called uh, "Sydney the Monster Stops Bullies." Oh, cool. And. The story is about a monster who uh, was different. He didn't like to scare children. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, all the other monsters made fun of him and blah, blah, et cetera, et cetera. And basically it tells, it tells uh, children uh, what to do if they're bullied, who to get help with, and it Tells them the story about Sid, Sidney the monster and what he did to uh, get the trust of children and try to help them prevent bullies. It, it's a very serious problem nowadays. Yes, uh, it is. As you know, and then a, a follow-up book, and the book is more for adults, was uh, Sidney the monster stops cyberbullying. <laughs> okay. Because that that's say. a. Uh, Got that very big issue now, uh, mm -hmm. cyberbullying, and many parents don't know what to do with it, so I gave them some advice. So that was the two children books that I went into. The first book I wrote, too, was about the other book. Uh, I, my fir very first book was an easy one because it was about my childhood and growing up and mm -hmm. all the stories about my aunts and uncles and that sort of thing. And it was like growing up Italian in the 50s. And the book is just stories uh -huh. of what happened and when I grew up. And uh, a lot of people enjoyed that book. They could, uh, you know, their childhood was very similar, and I did that. Um, one, the other book uh, that I sort of led off with in my was Common Sense Purchasing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this was sort of a summation of uh, I had worked in purchasing in the supply chain for a number of years, and it was everything I learned and uh, everything I learned what not to do. And I tried to explain to people, people have very different ideas about purchasing and negotiations, and uh, in the book, uh, right away, I said – Purchasing is, is the art of building relationships mm -hmm. and try to let people know what's the best way to build relationships. And then talked about all the things that uh, 
we had tried in the world of purchasing to build the relationships, especially with suppliers and people. That was one of my first ones. Uh, another one that I went into, sort of a takeoff on it, was common sense supply management. This is the broader view of the sole supply chain. A lot of stories mm -hmm. in that and a lot of uh, things about what can you do uh, to improve your supply chain and what methods and tools can you use to make it better? Because, you know, we're so connected in the world now. Yeah. I mean, everything is so connected, and we're spread all over the world. And talked about some things to do to improve your supply chain and, again, how to deal with people. And you know what? There's a big cultural thing in supply chains. When you're dealing with another country, uh, you mm -hmm. better understand their culture. Right. right. Yeah. It's critical. It's absolutely critical. So it talked about that in the book, too. Um, the other one that I wrote a little bit different is uh, you. if you've heard about Kaizans or improving techniques, uh, they used to call mm -hmm. it quality circles. But I, I okay. did uh, – I, I said Kaizen creativity – and I talked about, well, how do you run a Kaizen? How do you improve your organization? What tools can you use? And, again, more examples and stories than that. Again, a very focused business book. Uh, the other one I did, which is a little bit different, is if, have you heard of uh, the broken windows theory of no. uh, law enforcement? Uh, I sort of – turned it around and said, broken windows management. Here's what you have to do uh, using some of the tenets of this theory uh, to, you know, run your company better. And it's really one really simple thing. Listen to what your employees are complaining about, and for Pete's sakes, fix it. <laughs> that, that, that is very true, and so few people do that. I know it's it's like I mean I, I I was almost embarrassed writing the book because the tenets were so simple and listen to them and fix it and x if it's reasonable do it for them and they're too focused on the bottom line treating people lousy you know what I mean and just not being yes, nice I said just just why why can't you listen to them and you know fix it and give them the tools at least, they can fix it themselves maybe, okay? Uh, but mm -hmm. that's basically the one principle of the book, talked about how to do that, very short book there too. Uh, then I sort of wrote a summary book about a lot of my uh, business experience, and but it was said, Avoiding a Supply Chain Apocalypse. You like that one? <laughs> I <laughs> it's love that sort one. of like, all right. It's you got to do a, a many things to avoid it. You just can't do one thing. And how do you reduce the risk and, and that sort of thing? Because that's the basic tenet of, of business is avoiding risk and uh, you know making sure that you make uh, the, the organization stays viable. So that's 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 some of the things that uh, I talked about and did uh, in that uh, I had a lot of experience in uh, Lean Six Sigma. And, you know, that's mm -hmm. another thing where people actually look at how they do their work and try to improve it. The problem, it's its a very good theory, very tedious. The problem with 
many management, you know, whatever you want to call them, techniques or flavors of the month. If your people don't trust you, it's not going to work. Right. You know? And, and, and that's the something that came across very clearly in the uh, Jason, the corporate Argonauts. You stressed that point, uh, you know, very powerfully and effectively that uh, uh, you have to, um, you know, have integrity. You know, you have to have compassion. Uh, you have to take care of your people. Otherwise, you know, they're not going to take care of you. Yeah, and I, I learned very early. My, my, my Ph.D. dissertation was on a, a, a compensation system called pay for skill and pay for knowledge, mm-hmm. which is very different than the way we compensate people now. Uh, many There are more than a few companies that use it. Actually paying people for what they know and their skills, isn't that a novel concept? Uh, <laughs> and. You know, saying, okay, if you have this skill, we'll pay you this much money. You add this one, we'll pay you more. It's uh, it's used a lot in what I call the process industries, in the chemical industry, for instance, uh, that sort of thing, oil refineries where employees not only have to know their department, but when they make a decision, what's the impact going to be on other processes and departments? Okay, Mm -hmm. so their knowledge, overall knowledge of the process has to be pretty extensive. Uh, Isn't that a novel concept, investing in training your employees and improving their skills? Usually in most many companies I've been with, whenever there's a financial crisis, the first thing they cut is training and travel, isn't it? And it's just amazing to me. Okay. Now, so we're, we're that's near, sort of my background we're near the end of books. our journey for today, um, but uh, I really enjoyed having you on. I enjoyed uh, talking to you and learning from you, and I enjoyed reading uh, your book, Jason and the Corporate Argonauts. I put a link to the uh, page on Amazon um, where people can uh, find out more about the book and order it, and I've also put a link to your um, Amazon authors page. Is there any place else uh, I can link to so the folks can learn more? Uh, there is another one. I'll give you the link here. Uh, okay. DrTomBooks.com. Again, it's Dr. Tom Books, one word, dot com. And it's, it's, it just goes into much more detail in all my books, and you sort of can pick the one you like. Would you prefer that people order from there than from Amazon? Some authors prefer. No, they prefer can go to either way. They can order directly from Amazon. Okay. Uh, again, this is uh, my 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 Dr. Tom books has a lot of other things on that blog post, uh, other my writings, but either one is fine. I will put a link up uh, as soon as uh, the music break starts. Uh, Dr. Tom, thank you so very much uh, for being a guest on the show. I'm looking forward to our next uh, conversation, and thank you for writing such an awesome uh, mythical business book. You're welcome, and it was a lot of fun, and thank you for having me. My pleasure. Um, We're going to listen to Boneport's Orchestra's Evolve, and then we'll be back with our next guest.
Wonder 
I'm not patriotic, so to speak. Oh, but borders don't mean much to me. And freedom don't mean much when not everyone is free. So tonight I'll lay down and try to sleep. I try to see things in a different light. Yeah, that's the only way I know how to live my life. Well, but a few of us just don't know how to live and let live. That's what I'd consider a sin. Oh, 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 sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will always linger. You can't hold hands when you are pointing fingers. There's a man who's different by his looks. Yeah, he lives his life by a different book. But they say he's not one of us. That makes him a danger. Why should we have to tolerate this stranger? I think you'd be surprised if you saw. Just like how we really are. Oh, you can't judge that book by what is on its cover. You see, the stranger really is our brother. Oh, oh, oh six and stones could break my bones, but words will always linger. You can't hold hands when you are pointing fingers. Greetings and welcome back to Voice of Olympus. I am your host, Hercules Invictus, and our next guest is Autumn Erling. Greetings and welcome, Autumn. How are you? Hi, Hercules. How are you? How are you this evening? I'm doing uh, great. I am am looking forward to uh, um, speaking with you today. Uh, You've gone through some very difficult uh, times recently, uh, and uh, you've shared these on Bill Waitman's show, I on Northern New Jersey. Um, and uh, from what I see, despite your difficulties, you're trying to turn your situation into a blessing for other people. And that is uh, very heroic and very commendable. Well, you know, Hercules, it's, uh, I'm not going to tell you it, it's, it's easy. No. But. I, it's not easy, but what I find, what I'm, I'm seeing is, is that when you try to um, do things for other people, or you express the um, severe hardships that you've had, that they kind of relate to you, and it becomes like a transparency that yes. they know that you're human, and yes. things yes. can happen to you as well. And that's what people need to know to be able to attract to them in a relationship so they can trust you, you know. Um, so this is also a healing part for me too, Hercules, because, you know, as I'm going through this, and this is like great for me, the opportunity um, to speak with you and putting together a show, everyone always had suggested that with me, but it's also a healing process because at the same time, 
I may say something or hear something that it kind of, you know, puts a bulb in my in my head, you know, to realize something. And sometimes it takes two minds and two heads to be able to see something, not just one. And what you said was very true. Um, like half a decade ago, I went through a very similar type of situation um, and uh, lost everything, lost my home, uh, my career started to vanish, and uh, it seemed that everything uh, in my world was dissolving at once. And such times, as you say, uh, they really um, they humble you, but then they also... Uh, help you reach a place of strength and clarity inside yourself that you might not have uh, um, had otherwise. And though it's not easy, as you say, it's very difficult. Um, it, it it has the potential to leading to a lot of uh, growth. And uh, um, I was very heartened yeah. when, you spoke, when you were sharing th- these thoughts that you were having and what uh, you were doing. And uh, it speaks a lot for you that uh, your mind was on how can I use this to help other uh, people? Uh, that shows a, a, a quality of soul that you don't encounter very often. I appreciate that, Hercules. And I also appreciate the openness, too, of you saying how you lost everything. You know, you never can imagine something like that happening. You can never, like, put your finger on it how you're going to act, you know, you kind of feel displaced, you kind of feel like numb, you know, the day goes by and it's like from maybe eight in the morning and next thing you know, it's eight at night, you know, and you're like, Mm -hmm. I didn't do anything today, you know. Um, So this is a new side of me, Hercules, uh, and I thought about it today, actually. Mm-hmm. And I really wasn't too sure with you and I speaking, how am I going to come across? What am I going to say? And I said, you know, sometimes the best is just to go with the flow and speak the real truth, you know? I mean, it's a very difficult situation for me. I've been in my home for, well, I haven't, my family for 60, 70 years. A long time. Yeah, so there's like things that you see in the house, you know, pictures and of your grandparents or a little medal from your grandfather who was a postmaster, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and you see uh-huh. all these things and you're like, do I take this? Do I hold this? You know, um, and you see everything that just comes to you and you're like, wow, you know, and... And then, you know, you realize, and they say, you lose a lot and you gain so much, like you said. You know, and at the time when you're going through it, you just don't know how you're going to get through it, you know? No, you don't. You really don't. Huh? You you really don't. And if you're a person, because uh, I also, I've uh, tried helping people my entire life. And then you uh, wonder, you know, it's like, uh, how can I help anybody when I'm confronting with this situation and I can't seem to be able to help myself? So it really makes you look at yourself, you know, very frankly, very honestly in a mirror. And uh, um, as you know, succumbing to negativity doesn't help, although here you are like immersed in that. Um, so you have to, it, it tests what you've learned, it tests what you know, it tests who you are. 
and it, it, it tests all the things that you've been saying. So it, it, it's a very um, challenging place uh, to be. Yes, it is, Hercules. You know, but there's one thing that you said, and I admire you for saying this, and I really have to say this. You find different things that maybe that you learn about yourself that maybe you should have done. Learn. You always second-guess yourself. What did I do? And I have to admit, the first couple of days, I'm second-guessing myself. What did I do wrong? And did I, you know, I should have done this. And if I would have done this, maybe this wouldn't have happened. But you can't control outer forces. You can't control other people. You can't, you want to think good about other people and other actions and you know, and because of you are and how your integrity and character are, but that's not the real world. And it's not the real world today, you know. And so you go through this, and then I says, you know, you're human. You're human. Yes. Don't beat yourself up. You're human. And you can't control what other people do, and you're human. And you have to open up yourself and express yourself to say, I'm human. You know, it happened to me because of this, you know. And not for anyone to judge you. Say, why, mm-hmm. how, when, you know. Because you don't really want to be judged, you know. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you accept it as it is, and we deal with it, and we roll with it. And uh, that's why I guess now it's kind of bringing me to a point of my life to be able to express the real things and not be ashamed of it because of what people think you should be because of what you do or what they heard of you and what they would expect of you and not to judge you because of what has happened in anyone's life and how that could have happened. Because we all are human. We're human. We're human. Yes, we are, and, and we can't anticipate everything, and we can't foresee everything, um, and uh, um, things uh, just happen that are uh, beyond our control many times. But uh, how we respond to these things and uh, how open we are to being transformed by these things, uh, those uh, those That's are the true. qualities that help get us through it and, and bring us to That's a better true. place than we were before. You know, you just said the perfect statement, Hercules. (laughs) You know, um, how we get through it and how we handle it is the most important thing. And sometimes we have to catch ourselves after a little while and say, I'm not handling this well. (laughs) Um, And kind of sit back and figure out how do we get through it, you know, and have the clarity. And it's amazing, you know, like how you and I have met, you know, through Bill, who's absolutely mm-hmm. wonderful. Yeah, and he's awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. And at the same time, you know, this is real exciting to me, you know, to be able to do this and yes. to be able to speak so many deals, real facets, because so many people need it today, you know. So many people need it, you know, and at the end of the day, 
you know, everyone's got issues that they're dealing with or they call it drama, you know, where they don't want yes. drama, like Mary J. Blige, No More Drama, <laughs> you know, that song, you know, which I love, by the way, um, that song. You know, so this is, like, really, really cool, and this is important, and this is exciting to be able to doing this with you and, and get some key pointers and to make it so, so, so profound and so so electrical that so many people all around will be able to feel it and it's like a lightning effect you know everyone wants to hear this you know Um, and so it's a great thing because uh, um, a lot of people when they're going through difficult times they think they're alone and uh, you're right they need to hear that uh, even people that are strong and that uh, are creative and are resourceful and uh, um, have navigated very successfully through life. They're people too. And things happen to them as well. And, and people need to be reminded uh, that they're not alone and that uh, uh, people tend to beat themselves up too, because uh, bad things happen to them and that no bad things happen to everybody. And it's just part of life and we're all human. And this is a experience we're sharing together. So let's help each other get through it. Absolutely. Kudos to you on that, Hercules. <laughs> you know, um, kudos to you. And uh, we do beat ourselves up, you know, and we feel alone because I felt that way. I mean, you feel alone and and I don't know, Hercules, and tell me if I'm wrong or you can add to this. Is it because we feel alone because everyone else doesn't know how to express and open up and be transparent of what's going on in their life. So there's a connection so we can go with it, go through it together with somebody else. Do you think that may be it? What do you think? I mean, I, I think that's, that's what I'm thinking. You know, what do you think? People don't want to appear weak and uh, they don't admit much of uh, what's going on internally or externally in their lives where they're having uh, difficulties. Um, And uh, they keep many things uh, private. They keep them secret uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, They're embarrassed. You know, they, uh, they're very concerned of how they'll be seen, but we're, we're never, if you can identify with a song that talks about what you're going through or a movie or a television show, Mm-hmm. These things are universal. Everybody experiences them. And uh, the the very fact that they're universal is why people are singing songs or telling stories about them in different uh, media. Uh, but it's very difficult to look at yourself in the mirror and uh, to realize that, uh, yeah, at this particular point in time, you're no longer uh, standing on firm ground, you know, that uh, you're you're in a, a place where things are not as steady as you'd like them to be or, or going as smoothly as uh, you'd like them to be. But uh, if people of courage speak out, uh, not as victims, uh, but as people who you know, are confronted with uh, challenges, uh, the stigma yeah. that's associated with certain challenges uh, uh, disappears if people will, you know, will claim that this is part of the human condition. And instead of judging each other, we, we need to understand each other and help each other. I agree. And let, let me ask you a question, um, Hercules. Sure. That 
Do you always wonder why this task, this job, this fight was given to you? I'm an eccentric what? person. I've been eccentric my my entire life. I've I've never <laughs> quite uh, uh, fit in or or belonged here. And uh, um, I spent some of my life fighting that or trying to be different. And then when I embraced it, not that my life became easy. I've had a very challenging life. I still have very many challenges. Uh, but I, I just accepted that this is who I am. This is how I am. Uh, and uh, this is how I've always been at my core, and this is who I'll always be. So um, th- this journey that becomes my, my adventure, whatever happens, happens. Uh, and some things I'm happy about and some things I'm not, you know, but uh, uh, it's, it's my journey through life. And uh, because I'm different, because I'm eccentric, I'll experience it differently. So maybe that'll make it entertaining mm-hmm. to other people. That's interesting because I've always said the same thing with myself. Oh, wow. Um, that I was eccentric. And it's always the eccentric ones that always end up doing the things that reach other people um, or have a gift to be able to harmonize, you know, the souls or spirits of others, if you want to, you know what I'm saying. I, I've always I felt that way as myself, and it's... I, I, you know, it's amazing to me how three days ago, you know, Hercules, I was just bawling, crying, you know, bawling, crying because of my home. No, of losing my home, and and you know, it's amazing. Three days ago to these days, and these three days, it's amazing how you go through all that pain and you grow. Um. You grow and, or you just get quiet and you think, you know, mm-hmm. of, um, hey, this is what's happened to me. And um, this is uh, what we have to do, you know. Um, and you just do and you have to get things done. You just do it and get it done. Yes. You know, um, and... I, it's amazing. I was speaking with someone today and, you know, they, we were talking and I was actually helping someone today who actually, that actually lost their home as well. And, Mm -hmm. um, she had owned, had a couple of homes and she said to me, you know, um, uh, Hello, Autumn, I seem to have lost you. Can you hear me? Yeah, she said to me um, that she, they, you know, she said to me that she was, um, um, you know, she was upset because of the fact of what she lost in her home, you know, and um, I started expressing to her a couple of things. Um, of how I was feeling and, you know, and it, it, it came to be a very sentimental time. It came to be a sentimental time of everything. And um, we started crying to the point of like, hey, I know that this has happened to you. And I know that, 
you've been through a lot in your life. And, you know, when she started opening up about her, you know, she started yeah. opening up about her and how she lost her home and and for different reasons, but she lost her home, you know, and I didn't, I felt comfort. I was a comfort there, Hercules. There was a comfort there, you know what I'm saying? There was a comfort level there. And uh, it, once we opened up and I told her what happened to me and how there were people that had done things to me and, uh, you know, they didn't pay me and left me in a situation and were wrong. And, you know, she actually had a heart and she's like, Autumn, you need to fight. You don't give up. You need to keep doing what you need to do, you know. Don't fight for what people have done to you. You know, you, I mean, she said fight for, for what people have done for you, you know. When people are wrong, they're wrong, you know. And, you know, Hercules, I was a little, I guess I was a little, in the beginning, you know, I wish I was a little stronger because sometimes things can be a little intimidating and, can affect you on some of the things that you do. But I'm thankful now, Hercules, and I never thought from three days ago I would say this. I am so thankful now that I'm able to speak to you and be open about what has happened to me, how people tried to ruin my life because of their greed. Um, And now... How the victory is, is when you can come back and talk about it and know that you excel because then you're going to fight it or you'll have your armor guard on or whatever it is. And I say that for, like, anyone who's listening. Now, I'm very... You can't give up. You can't give up. No, you you can't give up. And I'm very honored that you're going to be uh, developing your own show and helping other people uh, who are going through difficult uh, times. Uh, next time we have to talk for an hour because our half hour is almost up already. Um, I put links Isn't that to your. It is time flies. Uh, I put I put links up to your Facebook and to your LinkedIn profiles. Is there any place else you'd like me to place a, a link so that people can get in contact? Um, on Twitter, Twitter would be wonderful. Okay. Um, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. So I think I'm pretty social media out. Yes, you are. Plus, yeah, and I think I'm on Google Plus, too. <laughs> so I'm I, on I all those networks. And, huh? I will look I them up on Google, and I will uh, put links to them up uh, as well so that people can contact you. And uh, um, let's have a conversation uh, offline sometime uh, this week, and we'll keep developing your show until you have a show um, you know, and I'm greatly honored that you're having it here. The, and I'm looking forward to your journey uh, as you rise to even greater heights and do even greater amounts of good. Fabulous. You know, thank you, Hercules. And I'm looking forward to it. I love our, our, our you know, bouncing back from one another. You know, yes. the, the energy's there. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I'm really looking forward to being a part of it and letting everyone listen in and join in. So everyone will know we're all together and doing this and we can overcome and do what we need to do and get it done. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much again, Autumn. Uh, many blessings and uh, may this Thank year you. bring you many awesome things. 
Thank you, Hercules. God bless you and your family, and I'll speak to you this week. Thank you. And uh, now we're going to okay. listen to Brian Henke's Dream Within a Dream, and then we'll be back with our scholars from the edge of time. Welcome back to Voice of Olympus. I am your host, Hercules Invictus, and our final segment is uh, um, Nicholas Dyack and Michelle Brittany, our scholars from the edge of time. And today we will continue with our exploration of um, Ash from the Evil Dead and Army of Darkness and Xena, Warrior Princess. Greetings and welcome, Nicholas and Michelle. Uh, good evening, Hercules. It's wonderful to hear from you. It's great to have you, too. Uh, I'm, I seem to be having connectivity problems. Can you guys hear me? We can hear you, but uh, there is some, like, a echo. 
Okay, we'll ha- we'll have to get through it as best we, we can. Um, I tried everything I could try here on the dashboard and doesn't seem to be uh, working. Uh, I'm happy you're here, though, and I can't wait to uh, um, share this journey with you. Uh, no problem. And, and here's my interesting good, good evening, Hercules. How are you? I'm doing great, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing well. It's great to be back this week. It's great to have you back. How did your kickboxing go? Um, I think the bag kind of kicked me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. But it, but it was. So, are we going to so, have um, Michelle Brittany Warrior Princess soon? I, I like that idea. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm working on it. I think it'll take a little time. Okay. That's a journey we can follow here, too, as you follow your uh, your heroic path. So, Hercules, real quick, uh, before we get started talking about Zena. Okay. Um, over the weekend, I actually finally finished reading Lynn Carter's Tower at the Edge of Time. I love that book, yes. It was fun. I, I have a soft spot for stories that, you know, take place at the, you know, the universe and its final throes when it's going through heat death. Um, uh-huh. it, I liked it. I, you know, uh, yeah, it's written pretty old school. The, you know, the hero is, you know, gains like psychic powers, you know, halfway through the book miraculously. And he's pretty unstoppable. So you got to suspend a little disbelief. But on the other hand, it's really <laughs> and I liked it. So I felt like since you referred to us as the, the scholars at the edge of time that I owe it to myself to, to read the book. And so I'll be passing on to Michelle in a little bit. So I, I liked it. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad. It's one of my favorite uh, Lynn Carter books. It's, it's very cliche. And, yes, uh, uh, you have to uh, display a lot of uh, – um, suspension of this uh, belief, but it was a fun book, and it was a, a slightly different take on the uh, starfaring barbarian. If I had one real gripe about the book, it's that the mm-hmm. cover of my version, there's a T-Rex on the cover, but there's no really? T-Rex in the book. <laughs> That was uh, Those are untold adventures that maybe Link Carter wanted to tell or... Uh... Well, perhaps on a, a future episode we can dive into the book more proper. But I had a lot of fun with it. I'm glad that uh, you did. I had a lot of fun with it uh, also. And uh, um, there, I remember there were like uh, flame people and the Tower of Time, and there was like vast uh, histories. Uh, uh, they were kind of like in the background and. Uh, uh, there was a young lady who continued to betray him, and uh, I, I don't remember the book very clearly, but I remember, uh, again, having uh, fun with it. Exactly. He has, like, uh, the ability to see a couple minutes in the future, but he can never, like, bring himself to figure out, hey, this lady that I'm in love with is betraying me the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> um 
I, I think it was Gardner Fox had a uh, Barbarian uh, series, uh, I think Kothar the Barbarian, and uh, Red Laurie was kind of like, played that role. She kept betraying him, like, uh, uh, and then uh, in the last book of the series, they, they fell in love, you know, uh, but it was a very odd uh, <laughs> thing to have happened, I remember, uh, as I reached the last book. I wouldn't have expected uh, this to happen, but it did. So, you want to talk about the series two of Xena and the Army of Darkness? Yes. All right. So, uh, Michelle gave a quick read through earlier this eve, and I'm consulting my notes. So, I figure okay. I'll start with a quick uh, plot synopsis. Sounds great. All right. All right. So, season two, or series two of Xena and Army of Darkness crossover basically picks up immediately after the first uh, series ends. Um, back in the past, uh, Ash had gifted the people of Greco-Roman times the gift of Smart, which was kind of funny in that series, but that kind of becomes the starting point of a whole bunch more of uh, evil stuff happens because he went to the past and created a new Smart. Uh, the present times is now overrun by deadites. So Ash is back at work at Smart. All the deadites come back. He has to rendezvous with the wise old man who's become kind of not really a wise old man anymore, but more of a basement-dwelling uh, video game player. Uh-huh. Um, Gabrielle, Vina, and Autocles, Auto I can never say his name right, travel to the present to help out. Um, and what happens is, of course, the, the plot is he needs to go back in time and stop himself from, uh, you know, creating S-Mart yeah, the past. And so he starts reading from the Necronomicon incorrectly like he usually does. Like he always does, um, he yes. Starts, he starts to different storybook worlds where he kind of mucks up things. But eventually he winds up in an apocalyptic present where he meets uh, Gabrielle's son, uh, Solan, who may be his son, or it may be uh, Atokalis' son. And that's kind of the ongoing joke. Uh, you know, and it's never revealed who, you know, who fathered this kid in this alternate timeline. But, uh, so basically this alternate timeline is very much uh, similar to the original ending of Army of Darkness, where instead of going back to Esmart, Ash uh, oversleeps and he winds up in kind of a post-apocalyptic time. So mm-hmm. in a weird sort of way, this series of Xena and um, Army of Darkness is kind of a continuation of that. So everyone meets up with Solan. They go to they go back to Esmart, which is now a huge fortress. It's kind of a, a clash of medievalism and cyberpunk, and inside of it is this capitalism at its finest with demons enslaving. Uh, shoppers, and it comes to pass that the people behind this entire thing is a dark Xena. Um, way back in the past, Xena had come across the Necronomicon, couldn't quite make heads or tails of it, and it split her in half into a good Xena and a bad Xena. And this is the uh-huh. bad Xena who is kind of orchestrating everything, and in cohorts with her is an evil Gabrielle 
who's actually an alternate version of Gabrielle. It's actually, um, it's what Gabrielle will become unless they can put right this timeline. And so, um, basically, Ash and Atakaliza, they get abducted back to Xena times. They all get back together. And basically, the final showdown is Ash needs to read the words from the Necronomicon to do Dark Xena's bidding. Um, but he kind of, in a moment of clarity, which is kind of rare for Ash in any incarnation of him, he realizes, uh-huh. wait a second, he's the power of Necronomicon to wish for anything. And he wishes, basically, that none of his uh, tomfoolery happened, that he went back in time, that he created this old S-Mart, and that's what he wishes for. And so everything actually, surprisingly, goes back to uh, the way it should be. Um, Zine and Gabrielle back in their times, uh, the S-Mart is gone, Ash is back in the present, just slaving away at his uh, you know, cashier's job. And so usually in those scenarios, something evil still happens, but everything reverts back. It causes uh, Gabriel's son to disappear, so he's never born, which is kind of sad. I mean, how messed up is it to find out you're a parent for a a brief minute of time? If anything, the ending is a lot like the Russian movie uh, Daywatch, where they use a a chalk to uh, rewrite history and make make it so nothing happens. So that is the second series of Xena and Army of Darkness in a nutshell. Basically, Ash messed up in the first season, and he's got to go back and stop himself from messing up. It's very much like the plot of Back to the Future Part 2, but instead of a great sports almanac, it's bringing capitalism to the Grecians. Okay. A noble endeavor. Now, what do you think your guys... Ash continues to, you know, basically do the, the same things over and over. He's a very unlikely hero, uh, and yet uh, the universe seems to have chosen him for uh, uh, an important uh, function. Uh, do you have any thoughts on why this may be so? What makes him a good chosen one? You know, that's a good question, just because... If you go back and watch, like, the original, I would say Evil Dead 2, not the first one, but Evil Dead 2, he almost isn't really a chosen one, just kind of put in a a bad situation, a wrong person at the wrong time, but he perseveres. I think Uh it's through Army of that he kind of becomes the chosen one. And I know through the various commentaries that, like, um, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell have done about Army of Darkness is, the, the characterization of Ash changes depending like what cut of the film you watch. Some cuts right. of the film he's much more heroic. Some other cuts of the film he's much more cowardly. And I, I think, um, you know, most of these comics and stuff, they're all based off of the very, the, the, the shorter, more edited version where he's more heroic. And so mm-hmm. just, by, just, just by editing shit from the movie, he's become a heroic chosen one. Whereas if the comics and stuff were more based off the cowardly version, he would still be a hero, but he'd be more, I don't want to say an anti-hero, but more of a... Reluctant hero? Yeah, reluctant hero, I would say. But, but what it all comes down to, what, what makes him a great hero, I think, is the anachronistic capability. His, uh, uh, you know, bringing... 
futuristic weaponry to different times. He's he's basically invincible. Uh, you uh-huh. know, he gets beat to crap in every version he's in, but he's still he's basically immortal uh, for all intents and purposes. Uh, he's never killed. He, he gets beaten up. He gets like evil people coming out of him. There's some fluke of nature. He just perseveres, and I, I think that's kind of um, a nice quality about him. It's cartoony. It harkens back to the Three Stooges, which Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell have uh, overtly stated that you know Evil Dead is very much based on the Three Stooges. I think uh-huh. the answer on your question is why the universe has chosen him. I think in this case, maybe it's the, the universe meant to chose someone else. But through just weird happenstance, he showed up and went with it. Because maybe he's, he means the ultimate uh, answer to that mantra of fake it until you make it. Because eventually okay. you wind up, you're not faking it anymore. You're actually doing it. So maybe Ash is kind of the culmination of that. Michelle? Maybe. That's a very, that's a very interesting way of looking at it. I, I think for for me, uh, so I didn't read the the first series um, that started him down the path for the second story arc, but to me, I feel like he is the symbolism of hope um, in that he is kind of an unlikely hero. Aren't we all kind of like don't know that uh-huh. we have? strength within ourselves to be the hero that we need to be when it matters most. And I think that uh, I, I think that Ash kind of represents the everyday man or woman. Well, he's blue-collar. Yeah. I mean, his job yeah. is he's a cashier at a Walmart knockoff. I mean, that's, that's, a, a, that's a, a, an everybody that almost anybody can portray themselves as. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it gives I, I think it gives the opportunity for the reader uh, to to have a gateway into this otherwise just very crazy, you know, world that, I mean, honestly, you know, we have to, you know, um, suspend our disbelief to really believe in it. Um, but I think it, it kind of works. And, and uh, more so than, like, I, I think back to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure um, and how they're kind of unlikely and they're not, like, the smartest two dudes out there, but somehow they're able to pull it together, and I feel like Ash is the same way. That's very insightful, too. That, that really opens my eyes to a whole new dimension of uh, uh, these uh, movies. Um, I enjoyed the movies. I hadn't seen the television show yet, uh, but I purchased it. So that's on my to-watch list. Have you guys had uh, you a know, chance? You we, know, we, we haven't. That's, that's for us to watch as well. I, I'm excited about it just because I, the, the Evil Dead universe has always been one of my favorite universes. Uh, it has its valleys of ups and downs. I've been an avid reader of the comic books. I've played many of the video games. I love the uh-huh. film. I, you know, this, we hadn't seen the uh, the TV series yet, but I, I like the I like I just like it all. I, I like how there's an inherent Lovecraftian theme in it. I like how it is malleable enough that it can be indoctrinated—not indoctrinated, but 
you know, paired up with other IPs. And I know we talked about that last week. Army yeah. of Darkness, Zena. Army of Darkness, Darkman. Army of Darkness, Marvel Universe. Mar- Army of Darkness, um, Friday the 13th and Freddy Krueger. Uh, Army of Darkness and Obama. Uh, it goes yeah. on and on that, you know, this, if you boil it down to at least the comic book version of Ash, is he's a time slash dimension hopping braggart. He, he, and then we're sort of like what the, the, the qualities of Ash that are appealing, at least storytelling wise, is the same thing Doctor Who has. He travels around and he solves, you know, right, rights the wrongs. And, and then we're sort of like he is a Doctor Who type character. He's just, uh, He's got a chainsaw for a hand instead of a, a universal screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've even thought of including uh, uh, um, Ash or an Ash-type character into our role-playing uh, at some point when we get to that. Uh, I think it will be a lot of fun. There is an Army of Darkness role-playing game. Is there? I have to look that up. Yeah, I know that they came out with a, you know, like a core rule book of it, I think about a decade or so ago. But, yeah, there's definitely a, a, an RPG of Army of Darkness. I have to definitely uh, check that out because uh, I dug out my old uh, Time Ship and Chronomancer uh, to try to figure out uh, how I can do it. But uh, if there's already a game in existence, then I just uh, can adapt uh, as much of that as I possibly can. So what, what's appealing about Ash to you? To me, uh, well, he is an every man type of uh, character. And uh, it, it's kind of like the same message that you get from uh, Conan. Uh, Conan is not the nicest uh, person in the universe. He's kind of like uh, a Hercules who made th- that wrong turn uh, on the road where he meets with uh, uh, Arit and Kakia where he makes the famous choice of Hercules uh, in that uh, Hercules chooses selfless uh, service, you know, or service to others above self. So what if he chose uh, service to self above others? So you get like a dark Hercules and and that's what Conan represents. Conan looks after his own interests for the most uh, part. And uh, uh, he doesn't act in a very uh, civilized or nice uh, manner uh, and yet, he's still the locus of activity for the entire Hyborian Age. Uh, and he's still heroic, uh, although it's, it's a more primitive type of uh, heroism. Um, and he still manages to be an instrument uh, for fate or the gods. Uh, so it, it's a very powerful uh, message in that a mortal man, uh, someone without the blood of gods uh, in their veins, uh, can be a focal point for an entire era. And it's kind of like the era exists uh, for him to adventure in. So it, it's a, a, a powerful reminder of uh, uh, the potential inherent in human beings as they are rather than as they should be. So that's what's powerful about uh, Conan and Ash by extension too. Uh, because he's not the nicest guy. He's not the most heroic guy. Um, you know, some of the things that he says in the movies are, are kind of cringeworthy. Um, but uh, still, he is an instrument of fate, and he's the right person to um, confront these evils and uh, change uh, reality. So 
uh, that's what I like about it personally. You know, the parking back, how we opened up this uh, uh, episode with talking about the tower at the edge of time, you know, the right hero for the right era. I'm thinking yeah. about, you know, the end of the book where, you know, they're traveling toward the end of the universe and they're watching civilizations come and go, eras happen. It makes mm-hmm. me think of that all the the blink of an eye, all those untold stories of other adventures and heroisms that would have led all that. Very true. And uh, how each of us as uh, creative uh, human beings, um, we tell stories uh, and we share the stories uh, with others. And these stories enrich uh, them the same way that we're enriched by the stories of our favorite characters. And even though the the tropes may be limited, the amount of stories that can be told is endless. And uh, even though there are favorite stories that have been repeated since the dawn of time, uh, there's still room to tell a new story. I think that's what's fascinating, Hercules, because I've been like uh, watching uh, Stargate SG-1 to because I hadn't seen the entire series. I've seen episodes here and there. And I think that's what, what's always, I'm, I'm always in awe of time travel because of the fact that all these possibilities exist out there and it's an, it's an easier genre in which to just explore and take things a different direction, have an alternate universe um, or something quite reversed or, you know, different species of of creatures out there that you wouldn't, of course, you know, encounter here. Yes. I love that series as well. It's one of my favorite sci-fi series. That and Sliders. Sliders explored a lot of that as well. Did I think one of the... Oh, yeah, it was back in the 90s. It was, you know, they dimension hopped. So every Earth was a different type of Earth. So it wasn't time traveling. It was more dimension hopping. But it it accomplished kind of the same thing. Wasn't that like Quantum Leap? And Quantum Leap was traveling within his own timeline to right wrongs. To, uh, Sliders was like, they all hop to an alternate Earth. This is an Earth run by dinosaurs. This is an Earth run by uh, pirates. You know, oh, okay. Right. I, I think right, one last thing, because I know the... I think one last thing before, because I know we're coming to the top of the hour... Is uh-huh. I think one thing to, to underscore that that Ash has the power of that is unfathomable that he does in the uh, Xena and Hercules cross uh, Xena and Army Darkness crossover is just the ability to go back and correct a mistake. I mean that right. is a godlike power that I think all of us wish that we could have. I don't think a a day wakes up that a person doesn't wake up with a regret or I wish I did this or I wish I did that differently or, you know, Ash is too much of a buffoon to, to realize it, but he has that power, you know, through, through the evil of the Necronomicon, but that's beside the point. But the ability uh-huh. to go back and to, to correct something that you've done wrong is, is extremely, you know, a, a powerful concept that, that, this the ability to have that something to salivate over. And the fact that, yeah, you know, true. he could anything and he's an S mark. 
<laughs> you know, he could sort of, you know, direction. He could make, you know, incredible sums of money. He doesn't have to be at F mark. But it's interesting that that's where he finds the greatest satisfaction. Yes. So and, is- and on, that, on that note, um, how can folks uh, increase their satisfaction by connecting with both of you? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm found at nickdiak.com, N-I-C-K-D-I-A-K.com. From there is all my news, projects I'm working on, all the social media, all aggregated in one place. And, Very and awesome. I would, I would say right now to go to Amazon for my author page. Um, you can find, like, links to my Michelle's Musings on Mummies um, that I'll be starting back up here shortly. Um, after a short hiatus, and I am getting my website kind of back up to date. So awesome. uh, next time we'll have that more more clearly defined. And a side note, there is some Army of Darkness comics where it's very ancient Egypt oriented with mummies and stuff. So you should read up on that and talk to Mr. Hercules about that. Definitely. That would be awesome. And, uh, um, I'm going to ask you for your scholar skills. Maybe you can point me in the right direction. Uh, today, uh, my uh, life's adventures uh, brought me to the realization that just like I'm, I'm getting very fulfilled writing my uh, occult uh, type of uh, uh, information, I've always wanted to publish a sword and sorcery tale. Uh, I published some in fanzines years ago, but I'd really like to publish them. If you hear of any anthologies seeking uh, uh, sword and sorcery stories, if uh, you'd let me know, I would greatly appreciate it. You got it. Uh, absolutely. I know of a couple. Uh, I will send some links your way a little bit later. Okay. Thank you so very much. Always a pleasure and an honor to be interacting with uh, both of you. You're incredibly awesome. Uh, and I look forward to our next uh, conversation. Well, thank you so much, Hercules. We hope you and your listeners have a great new week this week. And to you as well. And on that note, we'll say goodbye to everybody. Thank you for joining us. And uh, until next time, this is Hercules and the Scholars Beyond the Edge of Time. Wishing you all the best. for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. (laughs) 